each other in the face It's a race to the top, the top of the space First place a punch your man in the face Talking about wrestling, talking about wrestling Who are these people breaking open each other's hands? Sometimes they wear pink and blue or gold, sometimes they wear red Sometimes they retire, sometimes they did That's cold, man Yeah, I know, but what you gonna do? Nothing, I guess For real, cause that's life Life in the ring. No doubt. And anyway, when they die, they come back to life. And then it's better than when they were dead. Because they break in new hands and new legs. And gender politics and race politics and boundaries. And anyway, none of it's real. You sure? Well, not in a physical violent sense. Hit it, hit it. Okay. Welcome to The World According to Wrestling, I'm Dan Higgins. Today we look at the world of wrestling journalism. It's an industry that is quite the paradox. Do you cover wrestling as a sport or a TV show? And if you cover it as a sport, is it reported for real? How do you accurately cover a sport where the results are predetermined? And what of the backstage gossip? And I'm not just talking about the Hulk Hogan sex tape. What is this world and who occupies it? That's what we're looking at in this episode. In the world of wrestling journalism, there seems to be one man that everyone looks to. He's like the Vince McMahon of wrestling journalism and everything he says is gospel. His name is Dave Meltzer. He's been in the business since the 70s and has written over 65 million words on the wrestling industry. He came up with the star rating system for wrestling matches and is so highly regarded by fans and wrestlers that there's even a move named after him. Here's Dave Meltzer. I just started doing a... uh... A newsletter when I was 10 years old, actually, actually 11 years old, I, you know, I was writing, I was already doing stuff like that on baseball and I just started watching wrestling and I kind of got into it. And then I sent a copy of the newsletter to, to uh, Jim Melby at wrestling monthly magazine. And he wrote about it in his fan club column. And I got a couple of subscribers and that's pretty much how it started. How would you describe the world of wrestling reporting today? It's really hard. There's no real general answer. There's a lot more of it like um, than ever before. Some of it's very good, some of it's very bad, like like any kind of reporting, really. What do you see in wrestling journalism that you think needs to change at the moment? Uh, I don't know if there's anything that needs to change. It's, it's such an evolving field, and it's just a very weird, because wrestling's a weird business compared to, like, you know, I do MMA, and I've done other sports, and wrestling, it's modernizing more and more, I mean, a lot more than it was, say, 30 years ago, but it's still way behind, you know, like, if, if I cover boxing, I mean, I was just thinking about that this morning, about how how much information, and I don't even cover boxing, but I have in the past, and I get so much information on a daily basis from boxing people, more than more than MMA people and more than wrestling people, because boxing people, you know, are you know are used to working with the media. MMA, it's somewhat new, but they're, you know, kind of. And wrestling is so far behind. It's just funny when you when you uh, live it to see how far behind wrestling is compared to you know other sports when it comes to that. And how difficult is that crossover between uh, reporting on a sport, on the sport aspect, and then reporting on the kind of the TV show aspect and all the backstage rumours that come with that? Um, that's not really an issue to me. I mean, it's just something I've always, I've always done. It'd be like reporting on the um, business news of baseball and also reporting on the games. Sure. That's kind of what I do. You know, and people do that all the time. So I don't really see that as any kind of an issue at all. And it's my impression that, like, from the outside, that it seems if you work for WWE or the storylines in WWE or in any kind of wrestling organization, it seems to be very difficult for, for them to keep secrets. You know, big secrets are 
are hard, but they keep, they can keep some secrets. I mean, not as many as they want to. I'm sure they don't want anything out and stuff gets out, but you know, it's just always going to be like, you know, it's always been like that. Yeah. And so in terms of the leaking and, and how information gets out, do you think WWE sometimes encourages that? It's not storyline wise. No, they don't encourage storyline wise. I wouldn't even call the word leaking. I mean, you know, I'm in contact with WWE, you know, pretty constantly. So, you know, there's always information that I get from, from WWE specifically. So, yeah, they want that out. If I ask questions, you know, the odds are better than 50% that they'll answer them. But, you know, they won't answer everything. So sometimes you have to go in other ways to get the answers. I think a lot of the companies do do that. Some of them don't because they don't really have to. Um, they just figured that it'll it'll come out. I mean, it's it's, it's a little every, – every company is different at different times. Um, MMA very much, yeah. I get that all the time from MMA. But, you know, like I said, and I do to a degree in wrestling, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, every company is different. I have really great relationships with a lot of the companies. So that's not, that's really not a problem with, with most of them. And, and even with WWE, it's, it's cordial and it's fine. But, but, you know, again, and, and, and every company has things they probably don't want to get out. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's a case-by-case basis. Sure, yeah. I've noticed there seems to be not very many women journalists, and I obviously say this as another man myself, obviously, doing something in wrestling, but it sometimes seems uh, a little odd to see predominantly male voices discussing, for example, pros and cons of, of the women's wrestling movement, the women's revolution and stuff. Do you feel that there's a dominant male voice in wrestling journalism? Yeah, it does feel that way, doesn't it? And, you know, and it's funny because like the number of fans that watch TV that are women is... is um, between 30 and 40%. But when it comes to um, my feedback, you know, on a show or, or my subscriber base that I know of, it's so male dominated, it's not even funny. I think that like, when it comes to like insider information on wrestling, I think that that's very male skewed. When it comes to just casually watching on TV, but not really caring about it, I think that's where I think that women fit more into that category. You know, obviously, you can't say that as a um, blanket statement because there are women i know women wrestling fans that are super into it as much as the guys and super knowledgeable but but it is it is a lower percentage for sure one of those big changes has been in in the women's division it's certainly from the attitude era where it's kind of like swimsuit models almost and and bra and panties matches how far do you think they still have to go with women's wrestling at the moment they still have this kind of total divas kind of they, they still have their toe dipped in two different pools to a degree yeah i mean they're transitioning from one to the other but they don't want to give up the one because they've been so successful yeah it's, it's a weird thing you know they're definitely trying to you know do less of overt tna but it's still about marketing attractive women and marketing attractive women as a general rule when it comes to combat sports, I mean, looks are very important. They shouldn't be. They are. The public decides. You know what I mean? It's like the public decides. What's right and wrong is, is not an issue. What's right and wrong is what the public will buy. And, and they're, they're trying to fit into that as well. But I think that they saw that they were behind the times in the sense that the UFC women in division was just blowing them away because of Ronda Rousey and, you know, the, the portrayal of a woman in UFC was very, very different from what WWE was doing. The WWE version was looking really cheesy, dated, and, and everything like that. So they switched it around actually fairly quickly, but they still have their toe in the other, you know, they still have the yeah. Nikki Bella ring entrance and things like that. So it's not quite out of it yet, but, um, you know, they're transitioning. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because some of the stuff they present on the women's revolution and how good it has been and things like that is like, oh, look how far we've come. It's like they're, you know, in, when it comes to the women and everything like that, they're, they're, they're so far behind the times, but they don't, I don't think they realize that they are. 
but they are starting to catch up. How do you feel about the adulation towards you from the wrestling community? You're pretty much the only respected rating system in wrestling. And it's weird because it's like to me the ratings. It's like I do it because you know it's 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 just like a, a thing. It's like it's not this all knowing thing. But I mean, you look at it, and I, I think that the idea is that you know, as a general rule, I'm pretty good at what the public wants, and you know, and we have the polls on every show anyway. And they're going to tell you, like, what the best matches and everything. And it's like, I think it's like a nice guide of, like, hey, this match is really good. Maybe I should check it out. But, I mean, the idea of people arguing over a quarter star to me is, like, that's, like, ludicrous. You know, it's like, wh- why waste your life over a quarter star ratings <laughs> argument? You know what I mean? Yeah, you rated that match six stars. Well, I thought the limit was five, but you've, you've proved me wrong. I did, too. It was it was one of those things. And, you know, again, you know, it's like people, you know, it, it's weird because, yeah, that became a really, I never expected like that reaction of people just being mad that I did it. It's like, look, you know, it was, I'm not saying it was the greatest match I ever saw. I mean, but it was, it was one of the greatest matches I ever saw for sure. I thought the match was, I just felt that, you know, compared to a five-star match that I've seen, this was a notch up. Yeah. It's just kind of like the time and the place and the match and everything like that. And I just, wanted yeah. to credit it that's all it's really interesting because i'm not sure if you followed it on twitter but that you have big british brands getting tweeted like tesco and sainsbury's about um what they made of of the kenny omega Okada match and they were all responding well it got six stars so i mean there was worldwide kind of mention of your rating system i know now people think like was what's thing and believe me it was i didn't even think that for a second i was just you know, if I, if a match just completely blew me away, I used to do like five plus. And I could have done it for that too, but I just put another star instead of a plus. But and I I know I gave a match five and three quarter stars once, and you know Ric Flair Ricky Steamboat match once. So yeah. it's not unheard of. But it, but again, it's you know that was in a different era, and people don't even know about it. But in the wider point, though, like this is like the only kind of respected rating system. You are kind of the most trusted and, and reputable journalist in the industry. And there's a wrestling move named after you. How does all of that kind of make you feel? That's, um, you know, that's weird. The wrestling move named after me was weird. I mean, it was those guys were, I mean, I guess, it. you know, you, you would have to ask them more than me. I mean, it's like when they did it, it's not like I sent them. A, I mean, I didn't even know them at all when they did it. I mean, at all. And I didn't know why they did it. <laughs> at the time, I mean, I never really got an explanation because I didn't know them. I, I know them now. To an extent, you know, I mean, I thought it was cool. And is this what the people want? This is what Dave Meltzer wants. Oh, he blows a kiss. He blows a kiss to Granddaddy Meltzer. Oh, no. Live and in living color. Springboard flip. I mean, it's it's kind of like an inside thing at the at the shows. You know, if I'm at a show and they're and they're you know on the show. You know what I mean? They play to me in the crowd and everything like that. And originally, like I was uncomfortable with it, but now it's just like part of the gig, and it's just what happens when I'm there and they're there. It's just it's just you know I, I don't want to be a performer, and I'm not. I don't consider myself a performer, but you're kind of forced into it in that situation. So it's like whatever. It's no it's no problem at all. So, um, you know, when they did it and then the other guys did it and everything like that, I mean, I guess, you know, when Daniels and Kazarian did it, and in a sense, it was almost different to me because, like, the Young Bucks did it, obviously, as an intention-getting device that I, you'd have to ask them if it worked or not. My gut is it did. When Daniels and Kazarian did it, I don't think they really did as much as an intention-getting device, and I thought that was cool because, you know, 
Kazarian's been around for 15 years. Daniels has been around forever. And I, I almost saw that as like, boy, you know, if they didn't like me, you know what I mean? I mean, they'd never do that in a billion years. So it was kind of like, that's pretty cool that like, you know, again, it's not young guys that, that had this idea. And I, my name just happened to be the idea. But these were guys who did know me. And, you know, granted, it, you know, it, it was from the notoriety of what the other guys did. But still, you know, I, 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 I thought that that was, um, it was just interesting, I guess. I mean, and again, it's just also because it's just offshoots of the move, and that's the name of the move. You know, I mean, it's not the, the what it is, the, the best Meltzer ever, and there's the shooting star Meltzer driver that they did in, um, in that great match in Reseda, right in front of me, no doubt. I, I don't know. I, I, it's not anything I expected. It just sort of evolved as, you know, things evolved. I mean, the move got, the move itself got hot, and then people started doing offshoots of the move, and that became the name of the move. So, yeah, nothing I would have ever expected to happen. A, a, a couple of uh, last ones, Dave. I did, I did a bit of research beforehand, and I noticed a couple of uh, things come up. One was Kevin Nash criticised you quite heavily for, um, I can't remember what for specifically, but in it he said, these guys just want to be writing wrestling or be in wrestling or something like that. Um, how, how do you respond to things like that? I don't even worry about it. I'm like so far past that, it's not even funny. I mean, the Kevin Nash thing was, was like, if he had something like intelligent to say, it'd be one thing, but like his thing was like, Oh, you know, like, how do you watch these Japanese matches by telescope? And it's just kind of like, you know, what, what century are we in? It, it, it was like this, you know, it was trying to, he was just trying to be cool, but he had like absolutely nothing intelligent to say. So you know, what am I going to respond to that about? The other thing that I, I noticed was this, um, and it was quite quite enthralling, actually, because I had no idea about it. And it was the, the talk show that you were on, with, and you sat right next to Vince McMahon. Oh, the only show in like 92, yeah. Now stepping forward, a lot of men saying that there's a good deal of gay sex abuse underway in the world of wrestling, and everybody all these years has been scared to step forward. Now come forward a number of people to say, because I wouldn't have sex with another guy in the game, I couldn't get promoted. Including three, honestly, some, some... I think the most interesting thing I found about that was that there was this guy who was saying these, certainly from today's standards, quite horrific allegations, and the audience were just kind of laughing, and it was presented as a bit of a joke. That was what kind of felt a bit weird. But- and it was weird to me on that show that because it was wrestling, and wrestling was in the public's eye a circus, because some of those allegations, if they were true, and some of them were, and some of them weren't, you know, that it was, it was you know, the topic itself was serious. It was not, a, I mean, I didn't see it as a comedy show yet to some of the audience because it's wrestling. It's a comedy show. And, and that was, that was weird. And, you know, I got a lot of reaction when I got home from that, from, from people. And, um, the, one of the takes that I took from it is because it's wrestling, people will never take it seriously. And because of that wrestling, it's, it's like the idea of, you know, just cleaning up and things like that. It's, it's a lot more difficult in wrestling than it would be like in say baseball or a real sport because in a real sport, you're going to have, you know, a lot of real pressure when you, you know, when a lot of people die, there's going to be a lot of real pressure in wrestling. It's like, oh, some fake wrestler died. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's, not, it's not treated the same way, unfortunately. And I mean, it, we had a lot of tragedies because of that. But 
Yeah, that topic is particularly interesting because, like, it, right now that that kind of very thing is is coming out in football allegations against people from a while ago. So it was interesting to see that in that context because if if that came out today, pr- presumably it would be. If, if what happened then came up now, it would be so completely different. Because I look at what happened at Penn State and what happened in WWE, it was just amazing uh, uh, the difference. You know, and again, there's a lot of stuff that happened back then that if they if it happened now, the Snooker case is another one. I mean, it was really not a big deal when it happened. It didn't really become a big deal until 30 years later. I mean, really, if, if, but if that, something like that were to happen today, it would be like national, huge national news on a daily basis, you know, like, like the Benoit thing, yeah. which, which was, that was the first really gigantic news story that I remember, like on the mainstream base in wrestling was the Benoit story. Yeah, I remember that quite vividly as well. Like from the UK, that was huge news. But also like the, the Snooker tribute, it wasn't what I expected them to do, to be honest, given the... I was surprised, too. I, my mentality was whatever they do is fine because it's such a weird subject. But I was very uncomfortable when it was over, for sure, yeah. A Lehigh County judge has dismissed the murder case against former pro wrestling star Jimmy Superfly Snuka and his girlfriend's 1983 death. Prosecutors allege Nancy Argentina was beaten while Snuka has maintained that Argentino died from a fall. The judge who dismissed the charges today said the 73-year-old is not competent to stand trial. Last month, Snuka's lawyer revealed that his client suffers from dementia and only has six months to live. Mentioning it was fine, saying that you're sorry to the family is fine, because, you know, I'm sure they were, I was. For his friends, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, that it happened. But that you can only portray him so much as a hero and they way cross that line. Just back onto that topic when you were on that show, was that the first encounter you'd had with Vince? No, no. No. And what was his feelings towards you as a journalist? I mean, our our interactions were 95% cordial, but as far as what his real feelings are, you know, you'd have to ask him and it probably changes by the day. I don't know what he would even say now. I have no idea. I don't know his true feelings, but it's not like, you know, the last time I saw him, you know, I don't, I, you know, it was, it was, it was fine. There was no, just a short encounter. Hey, Vince, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, pal? You know, like that. And not much more than that. Attention. 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 Amazing. 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 Incredible. So that was Dave Meltzer, editor of the Wrestling Observer. Now recently, another wrestling journalist has come to the fore. His focus is slightly different to Dave's. His name is Ryan Satin, and he made his name on celebrity gossip website TMC. Here's Ryan. Well, I was always someone who was involved in television. My dad had a production company when I was growing up, and TV is always something I've been obsessed with. So I started working at TMZ just uh, for the television side of things. And while doing that, I, you know, I was very low on the totem pole. And, you know, I've always been someone who has been a news junkie. I, I was reading lots of news all the time. But more specifically, I'm a big wrestling fan. And all the big wrestling sites back in the day, which were obviously filled with backstage rumors and all that kind of stuff. And I I was obsessed with it. You know, to be honest with you, as a kid, I was probably 
I guess it still rings true today. I was more obsessed with the behind the scenes stuff and wrestling than I was with the actual wrestling, just because it fascinated me. The fact that it was this worked sport that had this hidden world behind it that was so hard to penetrate. So when I started at TMZ and I realized that they had all these people who were working on the news desk and, and then covering different beats, I, it looked like this fun thing to me. I was like, no, I could, I could do that. And so I begged them to give me a trial opportunity on the news desk. And because I had no experience in news, they said no and no, and I kept begging and I kept begging. Finally, I caught them at a weak moment, and they gave me an opportunity. And when I started there, they told me that what they stressed to people was to find your niche and, and own that niche to where you can become the number one reporter in that niche. And so, you know, obviously wrestling is this massively popular thing, and there's millions and millions and millions of people that watch it. I think that these are all celebrities that you guys are not utilizing, that these are people that fans care about, that people on the internet will care about. So I started, you know, making lots of contacts and wrestling, just reaching out to random people, letting them know that I was trying to do more wrestling coverage at TMZ. And eventually I started working on more and more wrestling stories. And over that, you know, year or so, I helped bring TMZ into the wrestling news game. And, and it's something they still cover to this day, which I'm very proud of. What was the transition like from TMZ to wrestling? Was that a style you were looking to bring to the industry of wrestling journalism? Well, you know, when I was at TMZ, I broke lots of non-wrestling-related stories when I was at TMZ. Uh, you know, major international news stories like the passing of Whitney Houston or the passing of... Philip Seymour Hoffman or uh, Paul Walker and things, things of that nature. So, you know, beyond that, though, and what got to me the most was how much someone could be a, a famous person, a celebrity, could be affected by a news story being wrong uh, or incorrect or inaccurate. And it always bothered me because I, I, I would see how it can affect someone's life or their career or, or things of that nature. And it, and it always drove me crazy. So... You know, a lot of people have this negative connotation of TMZ, but when I was at TMZ, a majority of the stories I did that weren't wrestling related were me trying to fix an incorrect story. Like, not, not from TMZ's side of things, but when I saw a story that was out there that looked like it was more than likely false, I would go and investigate and try and find the actual truth of the story because I hate seeing false information being spread. So when I left TMZ and I was on my own, I really felt like in the wrestling community, which is one of my favorite things, I really felt like that's where it was the, the problem was rampant. The, the wrestling culture, internet, you know, internet news culture thrives on rumors because, like I said, it's such a hidden world behind the scenes. And I get that, you know. And so they're thirsty for as much information as possible. But sometimes that can be dangerous and incorrect information gets spread. So it always frustrated me that the wrestling community was just kind of okay with that. They were okay with the fact that sometimes they were getting half-truths, or you'd see stories and it was like, the main thing you always see is like, oh, big if true. You know, you always see, oh, big if true. And I hated that. Like, I hated that there wasn't a place I could go to, to where, like, if I feel like if I'm going to that website, it's factual information that I can trust. Uh, I, I just never really felt like I was ever getting that. So when I left TMZ, uh, you know, I had all these contacts from my time there and the wrestling community, and 
I just decided to stop bitching about it and do something about it. <laughs> As we saw from the, the US election, fake news became part of a full narrative, like a world narrative. How do you feel about, with Trump taking that on as well, the popularization of the phrase fake news? Oh, I mean, I, it's, it's twofold because, yeah, there, there is fake news out there all the time. And, and I get how, how infuriating that can feel, you know. But at the same time, the Trump stuff, most of the stuff that he's calling fake news is more often than not accurate news. And so that, <laughs> that grinds, my, just grinds my gears because it's like, no, like you can't, like it, it just makes me mad because it confuses everyone. And then it, it gives free reign for everyone to call everything fake news. And it makes my life much more difficult. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting though, because the whole fake news thing, it, it's something that, that, that makes me angry too. I mean, it, it, it's, it makes me mad all the time that I can't, take everything I see at face value. And, and, and uh, yeah, it sucks that even on Facebook, you have to like read an article and then like, well, wait, where is this article from? Who posted yeah. it? Who did this story? And you have to like read three other articles now just to make sure that like you're getting the accurate source. And that, that is frustrating. And that's why I did my site. <laughs> so that wrestling fans would hopefully not have to go to 10 different places to try and make up their opinion about it. Yeah. So how would you describe the world of wrestling reporting in general? That's a good question. You know, I feel like there are things that bother me about it. You know, I'm pretty vocal about it, usually on social media. <laughs> when, I, when I see something that, that bothers me, the way I feel about wrestling news journalism, I feel like, and, and no disrespect to everything that Dave Meltzer has done, like, you know, but I feel like the field has largely been dominated by two to three people for decades now. And I just feel like people had become, they'd become okay with, with just accepting that, you know, and there was no one really trying to do something different. I feel like a lot of times, people are willing to take what one person tells them and run with it. And that's what mainly bothers me the most of wrestling journalism right now. And that's why in a lot of my stories, I like to note when there's multiple sources involved, because I like people to know that like, I didn't just get this from one person, you know, like, for example, I, you know, we broke the story on WWE being in talks with uh, Sinclair broadcast group to buy ring of honor. And just the fallout from it afterwards drives me crazy because it's like, you know, I, I know that I didn't get that information from one person. I know that I got that information from three to four people, you know, and it took me a lot of work and a lot of pushing and a lot of actual, like, investigative work, you know, and getting yeah. people on the phone and working on it for weeks and making sure I had every single thing right and, and all that stuff. So then to have people within an hour of my story go up who are in the wrestling news world tweet saying my story is false or refer to it as a rumor and things of that nature. It bothers me because how about instead of putting me down or putting my work down, you just go do some legwork and, and then try to get the story yourself and not just take everyone's answer at face value and realize that I'm not, just, I wouldn't just put up something that one person told me like, and it bothers me because a lot of times the people who are calling me out <laughs> are the people who are notoriously trusting one person. And so I just, 
you know, Dave Meltzer has done, and I'm not referring to Dave Meltzer, obviously. Like, Dave Meltzer credited me, credited us in the Observer. I think, you know, for the most part, he does a great job, and he's done a lot for wrestling news uh, in general. But there are other people who I just feel like, and I know that when I first started, I, I had a mentality of, like, me against them. But I just kind of wish that there was more working together, I guess, like more friendliness <laughs> as opposed to just, like, I don't, I don't know. It, it's tough. I just, wish, I just wish more work was done by all the reporters before putting information out there. Yeah, almost like there's a, there's a jealousy between outlets that they didn't break the story at the same time or something. There's no... Like, it's, yeah, and there, it, it feels that way a lot of the time, that it's just an anger over them not doing it first. And it, it, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. But, you know, I, at the same time, I understand that everyone has their own business to run and their own jobs and their own way of doing things. So I might just sound petty on my end. I'm not sure. But I mean, for the most part, you know, wrestling journalism as a whole, I just wish, I just wish more work was done by more people, basically, you know, just, just, just making sure everything was accurate. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of rumors. I don't, I don't like rumors just because I know what they, like I said earlier, I know what they can do to someone's life. It's just not true. Yeah. Is there anything else you feel in, in that world of wrestling journalism that you think needs to change? One of the other reasons I started my site was very basic. I just always kind of felt like when you go to a, you know, a, a wrestling site, and, and, correct, and you might not feel the same way. This was just more of a me thing, a very me thing. But like when I would see something on a, a website and they, they'd lump all their headlines together so that it's like, three different things in one headline and you're not really sure what's in the story. So you have to click to see what's in there because they lumped a tweet and a YouTube video and another report all in one's post. And it's all a bunch of those. And if I was interested in one of those things and I wanted to share it on social media, it just wasn't, you know, uh, visually pleasing to me that I had to explain what the story is when I'm sharing it because it wasn't just stated in the headline. So I like that there's more sites now that are being more clear and upfront about what they're, what's on their site, you know, what the different headlines are, you know, stuff like places like cage side seats or, or up rocks with spandex and, and stuff like that. You know, I like, I like that it's uh, a little less clickbaity and a little more creative. I, I, I like that. So I feel like that's another thing that I would like to see more is just, I like that those sites write in a creative way, and it's it's kind of what inspires me to write my site in, in, a, in a similar way as well. And there's more sites popping up that are written in a nice, funny style, or even just a serious style. It's just that there's some kind of style, and not just a bunch of words on a on a page. How difficult is the crossover between reporting on what is a like, as you said, a worked sport, and reporting on a TV show? about the sport and all the backstage rumors <laughs> that that come with that how difficult is that crossover between a sport element and a backstage rumor element to be completely honest with you that's my favorite part about it you know it's almost like i'm playing a mystery game sometimes or i'm solving a puzzle because you know it's the main reason i stress so hard with not just uh, accepting what one person tells you because it's wrestling and because it's a thing that is built on working people you know the people that are in it they're all workers and so figuring out what is true and what isn't true is actually my favorite part about it you know it's, it's as frustrating as it is 
it's interesting, you know, and it's, and, you know, because I worked at TMZ and I had to deal with celebrity news and stuff, you would think that that world of uh, A-list celebrities would be harder to crack, would be harder to get information from. But it's more difficult with wrestling. It's more difficult to figure out because, you know, actors, as much as they're, you know, they're, they're playing parts on TV, when things are happening in the real world, they're not constantly in, in worker mode, you know, like, like wrestlers are, where they're constantly in character and trying to work people over. So that's a tough one. You know, that's precisely why I wish people would flesh out uh, their information more and talk to multiple sources because it's really hard, you know? <laughs> like, like I, you know, I talk to people all the time where they tell me, you know, I, I'm a reporter and I'm in sports, but man, I can never do wrestling because I just don't know what's real and what's fake and what's, you know, what's a work and what's a shoot. And so th- the only thing I can say is like, that's why I stress the, the multiple sources because that's the most key part is just making sure that the information lines up with multiple people so that you don't look like an idiot when you, if you put egg on your face if uh, people start to deny it. It's my impression, like on, along the same lines, it's my impression that it's very hard to keep secrets in like WWE and other organisations. From an outsider perspective, it seems that everyone's leaking information to wrestling websites all the time. Because like one day you'll see the WrestleMania card and then three months down the line, that will be the card and, and things like that. How accurate is that from your perspective? Is the leaking that's encouraged by these wrestling organizations? I wouldn't say it's encouraged by any means, but let's be honest, you know, like wrestling is a gossipy entertainment medium. I mean, I mean, you know, all the people that are in the business right now, they all, for the most part, majority of them, they all grew up reading the wrestling sites that were filled with rumors. And so, you know, it's kind of become this thing where people like to just gossip, you know, and, and, they, and look, if that happens in football, it happens in baseball. It's the reason, you know, guys like Adam Schefter exist. People like to gossip, you know, especially in a, in a, in a sport where it's every man for himself. <laughs> and if, you know, whatever you can do, to gain the advantage over everyone else helps your career. So I think that plays a lot, plays a big part in it, you know, but you know, it's really just, it's just chattiness. People love to chat. As long as you keep like a a good line of communication out there and you're talking to them, you know, certain information starts to fall out and, you know, you hear a few things here, you hear a few things there, it gets passed to that person gets passed to me and then I'm like, oh interesting. Well let me go try to confirm that. You know, so I really stress to any potential reporter who might be listening to this, um, looking for advice just to just to be chatty. <laughs> just to talk with people, you know, get keep 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 line of communications out there in any way possible and, and you're more likely to hear information back. One of the things that I've noticed is there's a like a notable lack of women wrestling journalists and I think you have a a few on your site and I say this as obviously another man talking about wrestling in a public forum but it sometimes seems odd to see like predominantly male voices discussing the pros and cons of for example the women's revolution and things like that do you think that there is a dominant male voice in wrestling journalism oh absolutely without question there's a dominant male voice and I don't know if that's influenced my, I, I don't believe that's influenced, you know, and why I, why I had Persia, uh, Persia Davis, who wrote my site for a while, 
on for so long. But honestly, it had nothing. It had nothing to do with her gender. I mean, she honestly, when people wrote in, I you know I asked for submissions, and she was just the best one out of all of them. And the same, you know, the same thing with uh, you know, I have her on trial right now, and the same thing. It was she was just a just better writer than the other people who wrote in. And, and I don't know, you know, why that is the case out there. It's interesting to me because there are, a, you know, a ton of females who watch wrestlings. I've, I've also, that's a question that I've wondered myself, to be completely honest with you. It makes me laugh. The, the girl who is trialing for me right now named Candice and, uh, and Persia, who wrote my site for a long time, they both saw Total Divas on E!, became interested in wrestling, started watching wrestling, and then, you know, through my site, we're able to, not Candace as much, but through my site, Persia learned of a bunch of other wrestlers she had never heard of and went back and watched their matches, learned who they are, got into more indie companies and stuff like that. So it's really cool to me that that was able to happen, you know, with Persia and, and, and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't believe that there's like a... I mean, I wouldn't say that I think the big wrestling sites have uh, some negative bias towards women. It's just not as many opportunities are out there. I mean, they're not, you know, I mean, I don't, I, you know, that's a good question. I was one of the people that didn't have any women on staff. It'd be easier for me to answer that question. I've put out a call for writers. I've had a good handful of women that have reached out. And like I said, yeah, you know, Two of them have worked for my site, which is more than than probably male people have. I just find it interesting because, like, I felt very strongly, as as do the guys that work on this show as well, that women's wrestling wasn't being taken seriously enough, and and there was a lot of strong women's wrestlers in NXT that we wanted to see perform to the best of their ability. And then I just realised there was this whole bubble online of of males talking about why women weren't being fairly represented on television, and I was just thinking, where's the women's voice in this? What do they, what do they actually think of the situation i couldn't agree more and it it, it, you know i do know the old guard of wrestling fans isn't as into female wrestling they make it sound like they're not as into female wrestling as one would think but then when you talk to them they are obviously (laughs) and i can just tell you from experience that you know when i put a story on my website about female indie wrestlers let's say it gets 10 times the traffic as a male indie wrestler that has the same level of fame. So there's a huge interest in female wrestling. Like I can tell you just from looking at the traffic that comes to my stories that there is. And so it does, it does confuse me as to why there aren't more women being given a platform to talk about. But to be honest with you, you know, Twitter is great for that. You know, I mean, there are, a lot of strong uh, female voices that are on Twitter that are talking about wrestling, who I follow, that that I'm a big fan of, that um, that I think give a good perspective on it. And so I I, I do believe that wrestling fans. I, I do suggest that there you know you go seek out some of these women that are on Twitter that that are really good uh, good voices for for women in the wrestling community. And I I hope to see more writing from them in the future. I can name so many women that I follow on social media that are, that are definitely strong female voices that have tons of other female followers and uh, that are big wrestling fans. I really hope that more women are, are continue to keep getting their voices out there. And I really do feel as though this, you know, quote unquote, you know, women's revolution has helped 
with that. You know, I do think that it started to make women feel like they shouldn't feel inferior to the male wrestling fans and they their voice is just as important and I really feel like a change is is starting to occur and I, I, I like it very much. We did some talking and now we'll do some more. We did some talking and now we'll do some more. The talking was good and it was about some stuff. The talking was really, really good. We did some talking and now we'll do some more. We did some talking and now we'll do some more. The talking was good and it was about some stuff The talking was really, really good That was Ryan Satin, he's the editor of Pro Wrestling Sheep Now we've established that there's not many women journalists in the wrestling writing industry which has become more obvious due to women's wrestling being on the rise and the quite jarring situation of lots of men discussing how best to portray strong empowered women in the wrestling ring So we spoke to Abby Arthur Abby is one of the women Ryan mentioned he follows on Twitter. She's the associate editor of Top Rope Press and the co-host of the Angry Marks podcast. Here's her perspective. Actually, it was kind of a fluke thing. I um, jumped into it uh, several years ago after being a fan for years, and there weren't a lot of females who were, you know, involved in writing about the business. It was mostly men, and it was weird jumping into it because you got a lot of or I got a lot of, you know, slapbacks from men. Like, who are you to be telling us anything? Do you think there is a dominant male voice in wrestling journalism? There's definitely a dominant male voice. And I don't know if it's part of that throwback to the old boys club from years back or if it's just that women don't feel comfortable coming forward and sticking their toes in the water in the wrestling journalism field. I'm not sure what it is, but... I know from personal experience on social media and things like that, that the majority of fans that I interact with are female. And we're not there because the guys look good. And, you know, we're we're there because we enjoy it and we respect these men and women that go out there and do what they do. But so few women are involved in it. And I think a lot of it has to do with them getting just scared out of it because there's a small but very vocal group of male fans and men in the writing business that jump on women and say, oh, no, 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 you don't need to be here. This isn't your place. Right, so this is on on social media, and when you do posts and stuff, there's a lot of sexist trolling, basically. Yeah, there's there's trolling, there's sexism, and I don't know where it comes from. Like I said, I don't know if it's a throwback to the old boys club where it was, you know, women are supposed to sit on the sidelines and just, you know, look pretty and clap and smile, but we have opinions and we have voices and we're making them hurt these days and some people just don't like that and for the life of me I can't figure out why. Sure. And do you think do you think it's changing? Do you think more women are starting to write about wrestling? I think it is changing a little bit. Um the more independent news sites that pop up, that's like mine, um, Top Rope Press, you know, we have I'm one of the editors, I also co host a podcast. There's more and more people, more and more women especially, popping up with blogs and columns and, you know, large followings on social media that they're getting a little bit more respect these days. And it's nice to see, you know, groups of people, not just women, but groups of people banding together and kind of having a new voice come out against, not against the old guard, but 
right alongside the old guard. When you see the kind of journalism of coverage of women's wrestling, do you ever feel that the woman's voice is missing from that kind of discussion? Definitely. And the thing is, women aren't just in the lighting business to cover women's wrestling. But I think that, I don't know, I think women have a better voice for discussing women's wrestling than men do. Men just kind of look at certain aspects of it and, oh, well, she's not pretty enough in the face or she's not pretty enough in the body or she looks like a man or this, that, and the other. And it's, why can't we judge the women on the same level that we judge the men? And I think it goes back to that old boys network where for so many years women were just looked at as eye candy. And it's going to take a lot of time to get over that. And the more women we have involved in the business, the more women we have coming out with blogs and on social media and doing campaigns and things like that, the more our voices will be heard and the more that maybe we can inject a little bit of common sense and reality into it. And what advice would you have for any women listening to this who wanted to get involved in writing about wrestling? Jump into it and try. I mean, I worked for several sites and finally landed at Top Rope Press. And we're always looking for writers. I mean, feature writers, opinion pieces. Just jump in there and say how you feel. Don't try to shove your opinions down somebody's throat because your opinion isn't fat. But tell people how you feel. That kind of, it lets them know that there's somebody out there thinking along the same lines that, you know, they are. Jump in there and don't be afraid to let your voice be heard. Whether you're a man or a woman, just jump in and do it. And how would you advise them in terms of, you said earlier that one of the things you think might be stopping more women from writing is the the kind of potential of abuse on Twitter. And what would your advice be um, dealing with that? Well, it's interesting that you said that today because I was a victim of that this morning. And um, it hits and it hits hard, but you just have to realize that these are people behind a keyboard, you know, hiding somewhere that don't really you know, want their name or face to be seen. So ignore it. Just do what you love and love what you do and don't let anybody's opinion of it sway you one way or the other. You know, we've got a great group of people out there and we're always welcoming with open arms. So just jump in. We're, you know, there to catch you. You want to fight? Yeah. Why you want to kick me? Fight me. My style. You're pretty good. Yeah. But your style is no match for mine. So wrestling journalism is an evolving field. There are the old respected pros who everyone listens to, the new generation entering the field to change what they perceive as a perpetuation of fake news and clickbait, and the women who are still trying to get a foothold in the industry if they don't get belittled and trolled on social media and in real life for doing so. What do you think? Let us know on our Twitter at the underscore WATW. We're also on Instagram at The World According to Wrestling. And our website is worldaccordingtowrestling.com, where there are footnotes for this show. Thanks to all our guests on this episode. Dave Meltzer is the editor of The Wrestling Observer. His website is wrestlingobserver.com. Ryan Satin is the editor of prowrestlingsheet.com. Abby Arthur is the associate editor of topbreakpress.com and co-host of the Angry Marks podcast on Thursday nights. 
The producers of this show are myself, Danny Smith, Rob Brandon and Ben Higgs. The show is edited by Danny Smith. The music is from We Am Sam. The logo is by the design practice of James Lunn. And the cool illustrations are from the pen of Paul Cooper. In the next episode, we look at national identity. Ta-ra! Life in the rain. No doubt. Hit it, hit it.